Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, children of all ages, I'm getting there. You can hear it. Vocal strength, it's getting there. Little by little this week. You don't care. Nor should you, really. Because I'm fine, so... Feh. Feh. Good Wednesday to you all. Ah, poop. I forgot to count what show this is. Is this 73? Is this off-season show 73 or 68? It doesn't matter. You guys can't answer me. This is a solo podcast. I believe this is off-season episode number 73, which is kind of cool. 75 coming up. Uh, at the end of this week, we got, uh, we'll hit 100 during the off-season. A lot of a lot of podcasts, a lot of shows happening. Still nothing of any massive uh, implication on the fantasy newswire. In fact, the biggest things that came out of the last 24 hours, Thunder waived Jermichael Green. He's expected to sign with the Warriors after that buyout's complete and will likely not do enough to be fantasy relevant out there. And the Miles Bridges domestic violence situation, which, you know, we already knew was a very serious one, hit one click higher or, I don't know, same serious train. I, I, all we know is that charges were now filed. And I am no expert. I don't know how any of this is going to go. But I do know that from what I've seen, it looks very bad. Now... Uh, this is murky territory because I don't want to say something dumb and screw everything up. So just take it all with a grain of salt. This is a fantasy basketball podcast. The way that we will interpret it, beyond all of the horrific implications of what actually happened, is this is someone you take off of all boards because he's probably, I would assume, not playing this season and then maybe longer than that. We don't know. But we will probably have to do a little bit of a Hornets redux. And if they had plans of trying to move Gordon Hayward out because there was sort of a superfluous situation going on and so on and so forth. And Anyway, so that's the news of the last 24 hours, which is nominal, which means we can more or less launch headlong back into our week-long exploration of the number two pick in fantasy basketball coming up this season. But first... Fantasy NBA Today is a sports ethos presentation, and I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I know, I know, not many new folks listening in mid-July, but you never know. And as far as uh, important announcements go on the sports ethos side, we have two very important announcements. Announcement number one, sports ethos is recruiting for all major sports hit me up if you're interested in learning more uh the 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 gigs are kind of different depending on what angle you're looking at baseball is different than football which is different than basketball though football basketball are going to be pretty similar this year because the uh you know there'll be news on those there's premium product on those and that is the segue into the other bigger news of the day which is that coming Monday, five days from now, 
The Sports Ethos NFL Premium Package will drop for the first time in our site's storied history. NFL Premium. You've got a rank board. You've got sleepers. You've got all the traditional stuff you look for getting ready for an NFL fantasy draft. And it is all in the fantasy pass. There's no a la carte draft guide or whatever. And here's the best part. Get the fantasy pass when NFL comes out. It will also include the NBA content this year. The Fantasy Pass is going to have all sports this season only. It's an unbelievable deal. Again, it drops on Monday. You'll get football then. Basketball will come about four weeks later. And then the B-150 a couple weeks after that. And so you get all the the traditional stuff. It does have the same six-month lock as in the last two or three years since... Uh, Sports Ethos went to a subscription service, but who cares? I mean, it's you you get the 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 fantasy pass four weeks earlier than you normally would, and you get our NFL stuff too. Oh yes, Sports Ethos NFL coming Monday, July the twenty fifth, and I'll remind you guys every day this week. So, the last two days, we've covered four possible candidates for the number two spot in fantasy drafts this year. On Monday, we covered Steph Curry and Nikola Vucevic. And yesterday, we covered what I thought were arguably the two most likely candidates for the number two spot in Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid. Not in any particular order. Today we're going to move into another cross-section of older customers with red flags of sorts that could sniff the number two spot. And I know that this sounds a little bit crazy, but those guys are LeBron James and James Harden. And between the two of them, they make a delightful Wheel of Fortune answer, which is partly why I put them together. But also just because they're veterans. There are a couple of vets left besides those two, but they're kind of the preeminent vets that we haven't discussed so far. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry kind of being the other ones that we hit one each of the last two days. Let's start with James Harden, because I think between the two of these guys... He has the wider berth on where he might end up at the end of this season. We've seen it before. And really, for many seasons, Harden, in eight category, was the runaway number one guy. And in nine category leagues, he was always right up there in the uppermost tier, generally getting battered down a bit by turnovers. Aside from the 18-19 season... And the COVID season, 1920, where he actually had such ridiculous stats that he overpowered the nearly five turnovers per game. In the 2018-2019 season, James Harden was the number one player in nine category leagues, despite five turnovers a night, because he scored 36 points at five three-pointers a game, almost seven rebounds, seven half assists, over two steals, .7 blocks. And 11 free throws at 88%. He was the best fantasy foul shooter. He was the best scorer. He was the second best three-point 
guy in the league. His steals were among the best in the NBA. He was ridiculous for a number of years, but really for a two-year stretch where he still got there, even with the really high turnovers. Now, I, I know what you're thinking, and rightfully so. You're saying, Dan, that's not James Harden anymore. And you're right. It's not. But also, the same token is what we saw this last season, James Harden. 22 points, 10 assists, pretty cool. 1.3 steals, 0.6 blocks, almost 8 rebounds a game over the entire season. After the midseason trade, Harden was more or less in that same neighborhood, 21 points, 10.5 assists. A lot of distributing and really not taking that many shots anymore. So as you head into this next fantasy season, the argument for James Harden is, look, we know he has a fantasy profile that can get him into the top few players in any category-based league. We know it because he did it for a very long time and twice was actually the number one player. But there are, in my estimation, two strikes against Harden right now. Strike number one is that he hasn't really been healthy in a couple of years. Now, to be fair, he fatted his way out of Houston, so that was by design. But basically, the last three seasons now, uh, well, so 2021 and 21-22. So it's really the last two seasons. It's the, the, he ate his way out of Houston and then he moaned his way out of Brooklyn. That was the, each of the last two years. Feels like longer than that. And at the same time, it, it feels like shorter. His health and usage both took substantial hits. For a very long time, you could count on Harden to play at least 72 games. He was an 85% or more games per year kind of guy. Almost every season of his NBA career. In fact, there was a stretch in Houston where he missed two games over three years. 2014 through the uh, end of the 16-17 season. Two games over three years. While playing close to 38 minutes of ball game in there. But again, as his time started to wind out in Houston, and even, uh, again, it was not so much the COVID year, but the, the one where he pushed himself out of shape, it was, it was ugly. He played 44 out of 72 games in the purposely shortened season. Not good. And then this year he played 65 out of 82, which, you know, not horrific, but also... Not good. Certainly not good by Harden standards. After a career built on being durable and playing through stuff. But I suppose the question needs to be asked, who is James Harden right now? He's about to turn 33 uh, in just under a week. Next week he'll have his, his 33rd birthday. So he's on the wrong side of his prime. But we've seen plenty of guys at his age hang in there just fine. And it's not like he's a burner. He's not flying through the air. He's a guile NBA player who does need quicks, but again, he doesn't need to be blindingly fast to do what he does on a basketball court. So there's, I think, a very question to look at and who actually 
happy or happier in Philadelphia for the first time in a while. Was he ever really happy in Brooklyn? Did the Kyrie Irving stuff kind of ruin that before it ever came to be? We know he wants to be in Philadelphia, taking a pay cut to come back and try to help the team win. He's back with Daryl Morey, so there's a comfort level. The reason I, I have some faith that Harden can put up better numbers again is mostly because his drop-off was so precipitous that it almost doesn't quite make sense. With these guys as they age, it doesn't, it, it doesn't generally go... I mean, his 1920 season, the COVID year, he averaged... He was at 34 points, 6.5 rebounds, 7.5 assists, 1.8 steals, and 0.9 blocks per game. He was, he was a monster. You know, he was the number one player in fantasy sports. Nine cat, and he was a runaway number one in eight cat. There wasn't anybody close. So suddenly, he went from the number one guy, the COVID-shortened season, now to the purposely shortened season. Suddenly, he just, you know, decided he only wanted to take 16 and a half shots per game. And that's fine, because he was on a team with... He went to Brooklyn. He was going to be part of a big three situation, so he became more of a distributor. But his field goal percent was pretty good. He still got his free throws to go down. Steals dropped off a bit. The assists spiked. And he was number five that year while also still kind of playing out of shape. But then came back this last season, and it all got worse. His field goal percent got worse. His three-pointers per game got worse. His turnovers got worse. He just wasn't happy. And then after going to Philadelphia, there's a, there's a fit-in process that needed to happen there. He shot just 40% with the 76ers on only 13.5 shots per game. Who is this James Harden? So I think he's going to be better year over year than last season. It does feel like Harden at number 12 was kind of about as bad as it could get which is saying something because he was still averaging 22 and 10 with eight rebounds and 1.9 defensive stats. But there's more in that tank because all of a sudden, you know, in his age 31 season, he went from number one at age 30 to just like a shell of himself at age 31. That's pretty unusual. It's not usually that drastic unless you're a big man where, you know, you can't move anymore. But that, I mean, that's not him. We'll see. I mean, some of it's going to come down to what kind of shape he appears to be in when he comes back this season. But I think James Harden could be a little bit... Post-hype's not the word, because, you know, when you've been the number one guy for two or three years in a row at one point in your career, you, you, it's not a hype thing. But I do think there's a little bit of a disappointment. He's post-disappointment right now. Well, Harden hasn't been very good for fantasy owners for two seasons in a row. And that'll take its toll on an ADP. But is he going to get back up to number two? Why, I highly doubt that. That would require a usage spike, the likes of which we just can't expect to happen when he's not the number one guy on his team. You kind of need to be the number one guy on your team to go see your usage jump by four or five shots 
when not much else changes in an offseason other than maybe getting into better shape. So, probably not. LeBron James is the other name that I wanted to go over on today's show. What's LeBron's case for number two? Well, he was number four on a per-game basis this last season, and for stretches, he was the number two guy. Not hyper-long stretches, but there were runs where he was putting up truly insane numbers, even kind of by LeBron James' standards. Because you go back throughout LeBron's career, he's always kind of been... I mean, there was like a one- or two-year span in there where he was... uh, I think he was at number two. He was behind Kevin Durant for a couple years in a row. His numbers were all ridiculous, but he was always ever so slightly held back by that free throw percent. And then that got worse, and that's what started pushing him down outside the first round because he had these huge numbers, but all of a sudden, LeBron James, of all people, became kind of a punt free throw guy. Well, he wiped that out this last year. And he became a negative impact free throw guy, but not at all a punt free throw play, especially because you could get him in the second round. There are a ton of dudes that you could draft right before or right after him that could more than wipe out what he did at the free throw line as a negative. Devin Booker, Freddie Van Vliet, Jason Tatum if you go earlier, Jimmy Butler if you go earlier, Trey, Steph, Kyrie, KD, Joel Embiid, DeMar DeRozan, Donovan Mitchell... The list goes on and on. I mean, the the point, you don't need to hear all the names. The point is that there's like 15, 20 guys that are more positive at the free throw line, probably more than 20, probably more like 30, than LeBron was negative. And when you become that type of negative player in one category, it's pretty easy to overlook it. Steph was that in field goal percent this year. Steph, of all people. Harden, way more than that in field goal percent this year. Brady Van Fleet was like two and a half times that negative field goal percent. Now, to be fair, Freddie Van Fleet is kind of a punt field goal guy, so maybe that's not the best example, but you guys get the picture. How does LeBron James go from number four to number two? What is the pathway that he could take to get past Joel Embiid and past Kevin Durant on a per-game basis while getting a year older. He does certainly appear ageless on the offensive side, but, you know, at some point there will be a slight toll that, that gets taken on him, and that's probably what we've seen happen on the injury side, which, frankly, we didn't talk about that a ton on the James Harden front, but I believe he plays in more games this coming year. Talking about Harden. A lot of what went on with him really seemed like a shape issue. He's out of shape. Get fat, your knees are going to hurt. That's a simple one. LeBron's a little different. You know, he's five some odd years older than James Harden. He's, he's damn near my age, which every day I get a day older, so does he. But, you know, he was at 30 points, eight boards, six assists. The assists were back down last year, mostly because his teammates stunk. Steals were good, blocks were good, field goal percent was good. Threes were good for LeBron. That became a big-time positive this last year. Hitting three threes a game while also shooting 52% from the field, that's a crazy pairing. The way, and this is a pretty obvious one, he's not going to score more. 
He's not going to rebound more. He might assist more, but then you'd figure the points would come down a little bit. Field goal percent probably doesn't get much higher as long as he's taking seven threes a game. Steals probably don't change much. Blocks probably don't change much. Maybe they even go down. But it's pretty obvious. The way that LeBron James gets past Joel Embiid or Kevin Durant is to go from 75.5% at the free throw line to like 78% at the foul line. If he wipes out that one negative or really minimizes it, he jumps up again. And then you're talking about now, if we're, if we're really looking at this from a, a who are the guys we've talked about that have a legit claim to maybe being the number two player in fantasy, KD, very much so because he just did it. Embiid, very much so because he was right behind Kevin Durant and actually out-totaled him. And then I would argue that LeBron isn't that far back, but maybe the red flags are even bigger on him because we don't really know what's going on in L.A., Kevin Durant, pretty big red flags. We don't know where he's going to be playing. So that's maybe not fair. But, yeah, I don't know how LeBron does more than he did this last year and stays healthy for this season. It just, like, it'll destroy him. He played 37 minutes a game. He was, he was cooked, man. He missed 26 ball games because he had to play too damn much. Would I draft LeBron number two overall? I mean, that's the question at the end of all this. Would I draft Harden number two overall? Um, almost definitely no on both. But at the same time, like, think about the names that we've come through. How many of them do you feel great about at number two? None of them. If Embiid comes out and plays 56 games and LeBron somehow gets to 68, they flip. If Durant gets into the mid-60s in games played, he probably has the best path to that number two spot. But LeBron is by no means out of the question there simply because he has at least partially fixed his free throw percent. I don't think he gets any better there, but I guess you just sort of don't really ever know. Guy that bounces around free throw percent throughout his career, it could, it could change. What if the Lakers sit Russ? What if they trade Russ and they bring in role player types? It doesn't change things all that much for me. The only one that would probably change it would be if it, Kyrie was the guy coming back. Like if Buddy Heald comes back or you know they get guys from the Pacers or the whatever, Hornets. I, like LeBron will, will dominate the basketball over any of those guys. But if it's Kyrie coming back, he's the one where LeBron would, I'm sure, say, you go get some. And rightfully so, because Kyrie's very good on the offensive side of the basketball. So that's the one that I think would maybe knock him off his pedestal. As of right now, drafting LeBron in the top five is not insane. It's a little bit silly, but it's not insane. There's a thick line in between a little bit silly and not insane. I'll tell you some guys that's crazy to draft inside the top three, and Luka's probably one of them. I mean, there's a path for Steph to get back there if his field goal percent goes way up. Embiid, he's done it. KD, he's done it recently. LeBron would need the free throw. These are the paths to that number two spot. When we get through all of this, we're six players in. I was going to try to do just 10 this week, but I don't know. Maybe we go into Monday of next week or something. There's no huge rush right now. We'll see how long this thing goes. 
But we still need to talk about guys like Tyrese Halliburton, LaMelo Ball, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Cat. We probably should talk about Kyrie, Trey Young. Is that as far as you go? Jason Tatum? That was more than four. <laughs> I didn't keep track of how many that was, but it was definitely more than four. Of the players we've listed so far, in my estimation as of right now, the one I'd probably be most likely to take two, all injury-prone Kevin Durant. Embiid, Steph, LeBron. It's pretty crazy. And this, again, all of this feeds into the discussion from last week on how the ADPs turned out that showed us there are at least nine guys with a legitimate claim to be the number two pick in fantasy this year. Remember how last season we discussed what a complete disaster it was to have picks 10 through 12 because there was this very clear grouping above them? And other than Trey Young, you had all these high upside, low floor plays in that group. Yeah, you're probably going to see that again. Because once you get past this group right behind Nikola Jokic, which is, again, about nine players deep, takes you to roughly pick ten, then there's a, a drop-off. The beauty, however, is if you manage to sneak in in the two through nine window... There's almost no difference between two and nine. You just get who you get left with. Oh, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I had picked six, so Jokic went off the board, and then folks took Giannis and Luka, and uh, Embiid went, and Harden went, and now it's me at six, so I can pick between Steph and LeBron, whoever else we've been talking about, Lamelo, Tyrese Halliburton, like... You're kind of fine. I think this is looking at this, and you can make a lot of claims about a draft just on the way the first round stacks up. This last year, being number one, you had such a massive advantage. Huge, huge advantage at number one. And you'll have that again this year. But this past season, we all thought we had a pretty good bead on like picks two through five and then six through nine. And those all ended up in a wash together. And then 10 through 12 ended up being a disaster zone. At least now going into this year, you know. For many years, there was a time where I was like, I love being picked four or five. Because it kind of puts me in the middle of the round. I kind of get a guy at the tail end of that first bucket. Now, I think I'd probably rather be like pick eight. Because I get a guy in that same second bucket, but I get a much easier pick in, in round two. All right, that'll about do it, I think, for us here on this delightful Wednesday. Off-season show 73 in the books. We'll break down a couple more on Thursday. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for continuing to listen all off-season long. I am eternally grateful as we take large, heavy-booted stomps towards our biggest July of all time. I think we might even be there by, like, two days from now, leaving... Another week of the month and change. Incredible. Love you all for it. I'm Dan Vespers. Again, Sports Ethos presentation. NFL Premium coming Monday. Unbelievable stuff. I'm so proud of this place. 
All right, well, we'll talk to you tomorrow. More to come. Later, everybody.